Hello and welcome back to Tough Love Podcast. This is episode 28 and today I have Gina Human, and she is here to share her story um, about her family and her adoptive son, adopted son. And she wrote a book called Love Never Quits. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And Gina also just started a nonprofit. And I would really love to hear all the details about that. And for the families who are listening to know if, you know, if they can, how they could potentially get involved or just learn more about what you're doing. Great. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah, welcome. So I'd love to just hear your journey of how you got here. Yeah, um, it's, it's a long story, so I'll try to keep the shortened version. Um, but uh, my husband and I tried for four years to have kids and it did not work out for us. Um, lots and lots of in vitro. And the funny thing is, all through our process, I kept saying things like, wouldn't it be easier if somebody just handed me a six-month-old baby? <laughs> and and that's exactly what ended up happening. And then, oh my God, this is a crazy story. I used to, while well, I was having in vitro and um, every time I would have this dream that they switched the egg transfer and I gave birth to a Hispanic baby. Wow. And then I ended up getting two boys from Guatemala. So it's just crazy. Like I didn't even put those together until like many years later, I was, my husband was like, remember those dreams you used to have? And I was like, Ooh, that's crazy. So we went to Guatemala. We got baby number one. Uh, He was super easy. We thought all that parenting stuff people talk about didn't apply to us. We were so good at it. And then we went and got number two. And number two was a a very, very uh, challenging journey. So there you go. Um, our second son was neglected by his foster mom before we got him. We didn't know at the time what to look for, but now that I know more about trauma, I go back and look and he had all the signs of trauma as a baby. Um, and we just had this icky feeling about his foster mom. When we met her, we just so, you know, we fe- later found out she, in Guatemala, they had a rule that you can only have one baby per foster family, which we thought was a great rule, but you could only have one foster baby. She had all her grandkids and all her children living with her. And we sort of feel like he was the, the extra thing she threw in the corner because he was like diving across the table for food. He was irritable. He was cranky. The planets had to align for him to fall asleep at all. (laughs) He first slept through the night when he was 11 years old. (laughs) And so, you know, and then as he got older, like the irritableness turned into anger and aggression and we had holes in the walls and broken electronics and, you know, all kinds of, uh, things thrown at us over the years. So it was really quite frightening. And the bigger he got, the uh, more abusive he got towards me, especially. And that was the really scary part. Um, And I will say, we do have a happy ending. So (laughs) the story um, continues, we got the right kind of therapy finally. And you know, we had tried, I mean, I was I was desperate at 18 months already, I was telling the doctor something is off with this 
child, like my first child, you know, he went through terrible twos. They were not like this. And she kept going, oh, well, sometimes they look different in different kids. And I was like, okay, no one else I know is dealing with anything like this. This is not normal baby behavior, but she still kept just pushing me off, pushing me off, pushing me off. Um, then we eventually moved. We got another doctor. She did the same thing. And then at three and a half, I finally said, look, you know, I need something. I at least need a sleep test. It would be nice if I could talk to a therapist or a psychiatrist and find out if something more is going on. And that started a whole bunch of misdiagnoses and medications over the years until we finally figured out um, how to get the right help. But that wasn't until like middle school. (laughs) So many, 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 many types of doctors and drugs and therapies and all that kind of stuff. And it just, you know, little things would get better, but it just still like we were waiting for the other shoe to drop and it always did. And, uh, you know, the littlest things would set him off. Like, you know, you didn't want to say no to him, which you kind of have to do as a parent. Like that's your job is to keep them safe. So when you said no to him, he would just fly off the handle and become unsafe. So we really had to decide which things were worth fighting over (laughs) over the years. Absolutely. I think a lot of families can relate to what you're saying. Um, I even know Glenna has a story of when she went to a doctor and they blatantly said, oh, adoption isn't a trauma. Right. This sort of just like, no, that's, yeah, it's normal. Or these, these things that when we know something's off clearly right please help me and mm-hmm. i think it happens way too often and luckily i think we're shifting and luckily, i think we are too we know so much more about trauma and mm-hmm. we're taking it much more seriously but this piece of misdiagnosis i think this is a really important piece i remember when i was first learning about adoption trauma and how trauma can manifest and look in like so many things, mm-hmm. number one being um, ADHD. Yep, and, and that's immediately our doctor, five minutes looked at him and said, well, clearly he has ADD, here is a prescription, good luck. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I didn't wanna medicate my kid, but at the same time I was like, okay, well, this guy knows what he's talking about. He went to med school, I think. <laughs> so- you know, you just try, you'll try whatever you can. And it's, it's so frustrating because there's so many judgy parents out there that are going, well, I would never medicate my kid. Yeah, you would. If you were dealing with the same type of stuff we were dealing with and somebody told you that they had a magic pill, you'd be like, yes, sign me up, please. (laughs) Yes, totally. I think a lot of families go through the medication situation. And I'll be honest with you, I was pretty anti-medication for a long time, mostly just from being medicated very young on stimulants, Mm -hmm. which I think really led me to uh, that more addictive personality, right? Mm -hmm. And I was really seeking out certain things. And so I think there is a risk there and there's research to back that up. But at the same time, I know families who are like, this helped and it brought peace and safety into our home. Mm-hmm. Can't argue yeah. that. 
No, you can't. And for, for us, you know, it did help a little, but it was never the right thing. It just never worked. And right now he's 18 years old and he's not on any medication. So I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I think too, medication is often looked as a long-term thing forever, mm -hmm. just on this forever. Right. Really, if we can look at it, it's for now and mm -hmm. creating stability. I think that's a much more holistic way to view it. And then I think it demonizes it less, right? Right. I agree. Yeah. So, um, so the, the low point of our story came, um, in middle school, he was, um, there was an incident at school and they <clears throat> encouraged us to find a different school. <laughs> And then shortly after we found the new school, something else happened there and a police officer threw him to the ground, threw him in handcuffs and tossed him in the back of a police car and took him to the juvenile assessment center. And there I was not allowed to be with him for the whole rest of the day. So like this happened at like noon. I was allowed to pick him up at 5.30. And I said, this is my child. You know, I don't want him to be there alone in this scary place. And they said, well, we need to find out what's going on at home that's causing these behaviors. And now he was, yeah, he was eventually diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder. And one of the symptoms of reactive attachment disorder is that the kids are not always truthful. So I really thought I'd lose both of my kids that day. I was like, all he has to say is, you know, my parents hit me and then we're screwed. Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. And uh, thankfully he did not. He was, he was sufficiently freaked out by being in a police station. <laughs> and, um, and he did his whole interview and they determined he had reactive attachment disorder, which is what we were already suspecting. So we were like, oh, hallelujah, yes. But now what do we do about it? And I said, you know, I've done individual therapy, group therapy, family therapy. We've done the weird super nanny thing where like some therapist comes to your house and they follow you around all day. It is the, the worst feeling in the world. You feel like a complete failure. Uh, and of course, the whole time they're like, oh, you're doing great. And I'm like, okay, if I'm doing great, why is this still happening all the time? <laughs> So, um, yeah, we tried everything you could possibly think of. We did the brain balance program, which was like, you know, $5,000 a pop and we had to do it twice. And they thought maybe a third time after that, but we just ran out of money. Um, but we ended up doing this amazing family therapy with, um, Dr. Levy up in Evergreen. And he is like a world renowned expert on reactive attachment disorder. He founded attach.org, which is like a training ground for therapists who want to study childhood trauma. And uh, he's, he goes all over the world teaching about this. So he's, he's amazing. And he happened to be like 20 minutes from us. So we went to this family intensive therapy which was all four of us, four therapists, like four hours a day for two weeks. Wow. Got the weekend off, but it was awesome because sometimes we were with the older therapists and they were with the younger therapists and they were doing like art therapy or music therapy or word association games. And then we were getting, I had no idea how many triggers I had <laughs> from my own childhood that were, you know, now showing up in my mothering. And so that was, I mean, 
it was as much therapy for us as it was for him. And I think it brought us all closer together. And we had this amazing catalyst moment where I could just see things starting to shift. And he started to, you know, realize that none of this was his fault. And then he was sort of able to heal. And so they did so many different unique things, but I just have to tell you this story. Um, I call it the flip chart therapy. So they had this flip chart, you know, like you'd have in an office meeting with the big giant pieces of paper on it. And so he started with my son and he said, I want you to, you know, get, let's brainstorm. What do babies need? And so, you know, babies need their diapers changed. They need milk. They need a place to sleep, blah, blah, blah. So we got that list done. And then he flips to the next page and he says, now let's talk about how babies bond with their caregivers. And we talked then about eye contact and tone of voice and snuggling and all that kind of stuff. And so then we went back and talked about his birth mom, his foster mom coming to America, all of that stuff. And he went back to the flip chart and he said, okay, so your foster mom, she technically gave you all the stuff on this list because you stayed alive for six months. So that was good. However, and then he flipped to the next page. He goes, she didn't do any of this stuff. And it wasn't because you were a bad baby. It had nothing to do with you. You could have been any baby in the whole world and she still would have sucked at her job. So not your fault, not your fault, not your fault. And so, you know, and the whole time he's sitting across us on this couch, I'm like holding him like a baby and he's 12 and he's not small. So, <laughs> so it's a little bit awkward, but at the end of this therapy, he says, okay, well, I just want you guys to sit here and process what we talked about. And don't talk about anything. He said, I don't want you to lecture him. Don't re remind him what we discussed or anything. I just want you all to just sit here and reserve space for each other. And that's it. And he goes, and when you're ready, come outside. And I kind of look at my husband and I'm like, okay, we've been here for like two hours already. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> and um, the minute the door closed, my son started crying. Like I have never seen before hard so hard releasing like all this pent-up feelings from his entire life and he cried and cried and cried and cried for like 20 minutes and then started giving us eye contact and started reaching for us and he does not do that so that was like the most amazing moment and I feel like that was the beginning of the the healing for him mm. And then the next day they did this thing with a teddy bear and the teddy bear was baby Maddox, um, actually ba baby Juan Pablo, that was his name in, in Guatemala. So, you know, he had to tell baby Juan Pablo the story of his life and his foster mom. And, you know, he was coached by the therapists and everything. And, right. you know, they said, if it gets hard, you have to give him hugs because, you know, he didn't really get that when he was a baby. So I feel like that was another piece of his own healing. And then he got to keep his bear. <laughs> so his bear still sits over his bed <laughs> amazing yeah wow how lucky you got to go through that opportunity and yes. do it together I think there's something really special about family therapy oh and I did too mm -hmm. and doing it in this intensive way I've done intensives with my clients um oh, five wow. days to two sessions a day. So not quite what you did. Yeah. But um, still. And you get to see this incredible transformation. Yeah. And 
it's very powerful and yeah and I love that like we had a a long enough time between sessions that we could go home and practice Mm -hmm. but at this and process I guess but at the same time not long enough that we forgot you know because I felt like weekly therapy you go home and then you know life happens and then you come back and you're like oh yeah what were we talking about last week I I couldn't even remember (laughs) that's I think that's so true. And just hearing the story, that story you just shared, um, that huge release, that crying, that pent up 12 years, right? Um, Yeah. Of trauma and then releasing it and then the eye contact piece, you know, and to really witness him regress in that Mm -hmm. way and not regress as in, in a bad way, not positive or negative, but to literally witness him go back to infancy and then to repattern. And right. that's deep trauma work. Oh yeah, yeah, it was amazing. And so like, you know, of course, after all these years of trying everything and anything and whatever we could do, <laughs> um, my older son was like, you're just wasting more money on therapy. It's not gonna work. And you know, I said, well, we have to keep trying. I don't know what else we can do. So that's why love never quits is the name of the book. (laughs) I said, we can't just give up on him. We have to keep trying. And so, you know, when this one happened, um, we, we saw that little transformation piece in the therapy itself. But after that, you know, he kind of went back to his old habits a little bit. And we kept doing like, um, you know, check-ins with the, the doctor and everything. But um, it wasn't until about six months later, we went home for Christmas to see my family and they noticed a huge difference. You know, when you're with it every day, all day, you don't necessarily see the changes happening, but it was like, we got home for Christmas and everybody was like, oh my God, he's so calm now. He's so, you know, easy to be with. And we were like, he is? yeah, I guess he is easier than he was last year. So, so then after that, like another year went by and, and then all of a sudden my husband said, when was the last time he broke something on purpose? And I said, shh, remember, I don't remember. And now he's doing great. He's got his GED. He's got a full-time job. He's going to a trade school in October for um, doing lighting for concerts Wow. His brother's brother's a music producer. So they want to like get in the music industry together. And so, yeah, it's great. They're actually going on a road trip next week, which I'm so excited about that. Like these boys that like fought all through um, his childhood and really my older one ended up being like the mediator. Like he would tackle him to the ground to protect me. Um, You know, he would help like take things away from him so he wouldn't throw them at me and stuff like that. And that's no way to live either, you know? Um, But now that we've gone through all this together, I think the family therapy has been the best thing for all of us because, and then, you know, COVID happened after that and we were all trapped in the house together and we just kept going through our trauma and like moving along. And I think we are all like closer than we've ever been now. And it's awesome. It's wonderful. And I, I imagine it's so good for families to hear your story. I meet a lot of families who are in this place of hopelessness mm-hmm. and stuck and they feel as though they failed as parents and 
they are spending all of their money on therapies. It's they're it's like they're getting a little bit better, but not quite. And it's the right. thing about healing is that it's not linear. And so no. a lot of times you'll do this big thing and have this big wake up and healing and then something else happens and then you're like oh no are we back and I try to remind my clients no you're not back because you can't erase all of the other foundational work you've been doing right it takes a lot of awareness to to, and when you're with it every day just as you said it's harder to see right it's hard to track well what's different this time than six months ago there's different things but you have to be really paying attention to the subtleties and nuances of the behavior and how it's impacting. And as the parent, how are you actually showing up differently than you were? Right. Oh, and we learned a whole connected parenting piece uh, to go with it. And he has a book that we had to get, you know, so we could just read it ahead of time and discuss all the things in his book. And it was amazing. Um, And then at school, the new school we, we sent him to, they had, um, it was four kids that had behavioral and social issues mm-hmm. and, um, they did weekly check or daily check-ins, you know, on your mood. And they, um, they did yoga and meditation instead of regular PE class. It was so nice, but they went on hikes for science. It was, it was amazing. But um, at school, they were doing something called um, collaborative problem solving. Do you know that one? I don't. Dr. Ross Green. Oh, I know not, that one. Not the guy from Friends. That's Dr. Geller. <laughs> <laughs> but he dated Rachel Green. So <laughs> anyway, uh, Dr. Ross Green is the explosive child. So I read that years and years ago because I had an explosive child, but I didn't really learn the the collaborative problem solving piece until he was in middle school. And that's what they were using there. So they had a class for us parents. Wow. Yeah. So it was like three nights a week and, you know, we did role playing and we learned how to do this with our kids. And so that way at home therapy and school, we're all on the same page. And so it was just really nice that, you know, everybody's using the same things Yes. and he's learning, you know, new ways to communicate. And so the idea of collaborative problem solving, this is what I love. It's um, a child does well if they can. So his whole theory is if they're not behaving, it's because something is wrong. They're either missing a skill or they have a trauma that needs to be healed or something, but we got to figure out what that, what, what the real reason is that they don't want to do this. And so it's, it's a series of like questions and stuff, and it takes a while to get the hang of it. But, um, but the interesting thing is that there's always some underlying reason for these things it's not just you got a bad kid so he's just going to be bad it's right something we, there's something we need to fix here <laughs> so that's right and i like that model because it's also like everything's workable yeah you have to find the missing piece and then go from there yes and i've learned to be very creative too because one of the other symptoms of reactive attachment disorder and a lot of adoption trauma to be honest is that reaction towards your parents because you know like it i know it's not my fault but (laughs) i'm the person that takes place of the birth mother and there's anger there and so you know i was the one that got lashed out at the most 
Yes. And, you know, then it's hard to keep your self-esteem and it's hard to, you know, and then you go to school and everybody's like, oh, that's the bad kid's mom, you know, she must be doing a terrible job. So yeah. it's very judgmental. It's really hard. And yet um, it is, there is hope. <laughs> Yes, yes. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here and you're talking about it and you wrote a book to share, you know, so families can understand that they're not alone in a time when I bet they feel very alone. I think many mm-hmm. people feel isolated or it's just us or, oh, we are that bad parent when it's like, no, 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 no. There is so much more happening. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so I'm really glad. So will you share a little bit about your nonprofit? Yes, I just started a nonprofit. In fact, this month we were going into the nonprofit world officially. So um, we were approved by the Colorado Nonprofit Development Center. So hopefully we'll be under them. So they will coach me and help me with the whole financial legal part of it. But I have an amazing board now and um, Trauma Drama University. We have two parts. Um, The first part is a program for parents. It's um, we want to be the village that they don't have. Mm -hmm. So uh, we will provide support. I have four online classes that are about um, adoption trauma or trauma in general and how it affects the brain. Um, Different therapies and treatments that work for trauma or brain calming I don't recommend any of them. I don't do therapy. That's not my thing. I'm just here to support the parents. But then I also want to connect them to the people like you who are out in the world doing the work so that they can see what different therapists do and what types of things are out there. I want to add some self-care to it as well. Um, And in fact, we're, we're trying, we have a, um, we have a private support board right now, but I just don't have enough people in the program yet to start using it. But as soon as they do, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) And then I have all kinds of ideas for things down the road. So (laughs) wonderful. That's so exciting. So that part's all free education, support resources for parents. I do a, a monthly like trauma Tuesday where I That's what I talk to people in the community who are doing the work. Um, But then we also have a store. So that's how I intended to pay for all this. And then I realized that we need to get Oprah on our team to like really make that work. So I'm still working on that. I'm going to collaborate with Oprah on something someday. (laughs) Planting the seeds. Yep. I love that. That's my goal. Yeah, perfect. Um, and so what is the website? Um, it's traumadramauniversity.com. And then our store, you can get to our store from there, but there's also tduproducts.com. So with the products, we're trying to raise awareness of childhood trauma. And, um, I have like, I'm wearing my shirt today that says, oh, great. Childhood trauma, healthier society. Yep. So heal childhood trauma for a healthier society. I, so I'm, I've got, I've got some of those. I've got some stuff with our merch on it. I've got my book. I've got some really cute little wine tumblers that say parenting requires wine. 
that's my favorite. <laughs> I have some fun water bottles, you know, like just with affirmations and stuff, because I wanted everything to be very positive and hopeful mm-hmm. and still spread the word about childhood trauma. So my goal is like people wear pink for breast cancer. They're going to wear my trauma hearts for childhood mm-hmm. trauma. So <laughs> I love that. I think that's so great. So everyone who's Thanks. listening, go Get some merch, represent, <laughs> um, wonderful. And what advice could you give to a parent listening who just feels stuck and hopeless? Okay, well, first of all, you need to find a, a village, some people that actually get it. And if you don't have them, come join me because I will love you up all the way because uh, you know we're all doing our best, right? No parent goes into this going, I'm going to be a crappy parent. (laughs) So we're all trying our hardest. Um, So there's that. And then I'd say never give up is another one. And also um, what I learned with this whole. One second, my dog is barking. (laughs) Okay. What I learned with this whole connected parenting thing is that, um, connection is more important than compliance. And so that was a huge thing when I finally understood that and understood that getting him into the right place to connect with me first was more important. And then we could figure out how to make him comply. And I've learned some really creative parenting techniques. Like he won't do chores for me. I'm his mother, but you know what? I could give his allowance money to the neighbor and he could go do chores for her. He'll still learn how to do chores and I don't have to fight with him now. It's somebody else's problem. <laughs> so there's all kinds of things we can do to still get to the same, you know, goal at the end, but do it in a different way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. I love the creativity. <laughs> yeah. I've got a million of those. So That's wonderful. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking with you and and having you on um is there anything else that you want to share um i'm not sure right now but i'm just so excited that we're going into the nonprofit world now and i have like people that are like fired up to help me and i can't wait to get our message out there and start helping as many parents as we can so um yeah spread the word (laughs) it's so needed support community the village it's so needed right now especially coming out of covid and you know isolation and i think everything being stirred up which i think is like there's a blessing inside of that Mm -hmm. right it's all stirred up it's all here it's all present now we can work on it right right exactly other piece of the mental health crisis that we're also having, which is yes. not great and not well, good. And that's why, you know, when, when you're in a situation like mine, you have a neurodivergent child and nothing's working like it should, you know, it's easy to get really down on yourself. Um, and it's important to have people that'll lift you back up. <laughs> I like that. I like that theme. And I love your energy around this of having gone through something so challenging and so difficult. I imagine you weren't always as, you know, energized and, and in that way, but it just seems like such a core of you, right? There must've been some of that. Oh yeah. I've been this way since I was a kid. Like 
I, I remember like I was president of uh, students against drunk driving in high school. I was, uh, I was, I, you know, protested against apartheid. So I've always been like trying to make the world a better place. And so this was just like, we went through something terrible and now I feel like I could be the guiding light for somebody else. And that's my goal is to just let other parents know there's hope that we can make this connection and that life can be good. Yes. What a <laughs> gift. Yeah. We are so lucky to have you in this community. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And thanks for your work. And again, remind us your two, your two websites. How can people uh, you? Drama, drama university.com and tduproducts.com, but you can get to one from the other or the other from the other or whatever. So. <laughs> Dina, it's been such a pleasure having you on. Thanks, Lauren. Yes. And everyone who's listening, go check out those websites and be a part of the village and if anything resonates with you or you want to share please post on our instagram or send us an email you know we love to hear from you and until next time thanks <laughs>